Good morning, good afternoon to those tuning in and listening to the show currently. Please excuse me if there's a background echo because I am in my room. I'm usually somewhere in the dining room or living room area, but have to do this late night because of a new job. But thank you all for tuning into the show once again. My apologies for the long intro. Let's jump right into it, man. Start off with NBA news. As we all know, All-Star Weekend is just surpassed and we're going to enter the second half of the season. And as we all probably know now, I've seen that the Brooklyn Nets have added another, I wouldn't say lethal score, but another reliable, consistent enough score. And Blake Griffin, who hasn't been what he once has been as an all-star caliber player. You know, he's a guy who the last, I want to say, two seasons – I know this season for sure, he's averaging under 12 points per game and in 30 minutes playing. He's shooting terrible from the from the field, and he's he's just not the same guy we used to seeing, man. He's not the same guy we've grown accustomed seeing. He's a stretch forward these days. I don't think he if, actually a fun fact, man. I don't think he's dunked in the past two seasons. I don't. I'm not sure how true that is, but I see. I know for sure this season he hasn't dunked, but I think it stretches back a little bit on the latter side of last season. It isn't exactly two seasons, but to think that we are now a season and a half in, and Blake Griffin has not dunked a basketball. If I would have told you that six, seven years ago, you would have thought I was absolutely insane. But. Is he's honestly a stretch forward these days. Like he, he puts the ball on the ground. He he drives. He finishes both hands pretty well, and he tries to create his own jumper. Now, I mean, it's he's elevated his game to to be more of a complete player. I'll give him that. But he's taken away from his greatest strength, which was his athleticism and his ability to finish at the rim. But that's not a hero there. What he does for the Brooklyn Nets, though, he gives them a, a scoring threat off the bench. I don't I don't think he's going to come in and be a starter. If he does, I'll be surprised, honestly. I think Jeff Green is actually the, their best bet at the fourth position right now because I think at this point Jeff Green is a little bit more consistent shooter. I think that's what they need. I think he's a bit more of a better defender, especially on-ball defender. I think he's quicker on his feet than Blake is. So I'll be shocked if they gave him a starting nod over a guy like Jeff Green. But I can see him playing significant minutes like how Montrez Harrell played significant minutes for the Lakers or like how, <clears throat> excuse me, or like how Marcus Smart right now, who isn't playing currently, but, you know, he plays significant minutes for the Celtics despite the fact that he isn't a starter. Like, just because you're not starting the game doesn't mean you're not going to play significant minutes. Jared Allen wasn't the starter for the Cavs when he got there. I'm not sure if he is now currently. He may not be, but he wasn't the starter. And he played more minutes than JaVel McGee when he very first got there. So it happens. But I think I think Blake brings another scoring threat off the bench for sure. I think he brings a veteran presence to an already veteran full-rounded team. They traded away a lot of young talent they did have. Spencer Dinwiddie's out for the season. Karis LeVert is gone. Jared Allen's gone. I mean, they had some depth, man. They let it go, but they did get some pretty good overturns for it because James Harden is a back-to-back MVP. Not back-to-back MVP. James Harden is a MVP in this league. He's an assist leader. He's a scoring leader. 
He's an All-NBA first-team kind of a player. And it's been some rumors going around, man, speculating that the Heat were may trade for Kyle Lowry or John Wall, and in that package it may include Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. I would be, if I was a Heat fan, I would be livid if we trade those two guys for either one of those players where we could have traded those very, very same two guys for James Harden. I would be livid. Honestly, I would be 38 hot. <laughs> I would. But moving on, man. As we all know, this is All-Star Weekend, like I mentioned earlier in the show. So let's get into some of the events that occurred. Now, if you all have seen, DeMonte Sabonis actually won the Skills Challenge. He beat out the guys... He beat out Nikola Vukovic, the Orlando Magic Center. He beat him out to win it all. And honestly, he I don't think he missed a shot, the final shot until the he didn't miss the final shot until the last round against Vukovic, where he actually, I think both of them missed like two or three straight, and then he made the latter of the two. He had a pretty good All-Star weekend, man. He was an All-Star, of course. You know, he replaced some, <clears throat> I believe it was, it was a Joel Embiid who he replaced. I, for, I forgot who he replaced exactly, but he was a replacement, just like Mike Conley replaced Devin Booker and things of that nature, or like how Kevin Durant was replaced on his very own team, which is ironic and weird, but... Nonetheless, it was a pretty good weekend, man. I, I like that the Sabonis won the skill. It, it, it kills me that the dunk contest was so boring this year. And I liked it. I, excuse me, that was terrible English. But I liked Simons to win. I just, I just hated how it was judged again. It it was absolutely just terribly. Anthony Simons deserved to win, man, because the 12 foot dunk, I think it was 12 feet, 13, he had jumped the ground to get the ball and the dunking. To me, that was just impressive in itself. So he deserved to win. Obi Toppin put on a pretty solid show. And the Pacers player, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry, man. I, uh, honestly, you're one of the few players in the league who name I do not know off the top of my head, so you have to excuse me. He was robbed. His first dunk was the best dunk of that round, and it had the lowest grade. To me, that was utter, just, I'm just calling it is, BS. It was. He had the best dunk of that entire first round, and it was the lowest graded dunk. Josh Smith, I think Spud Webb, a few other old dunk contest winners. They need, no, we need different judges, man. <laughs> we need something. I don't know what. We need a fan judge, you know, to make it international for everyone to do it at home or something because, no, can't keep doing this. You can't do the first 100 responses and, Calculate the average. Technology too advanced now. I'm sure it could get done in a matter of seconds. But that being said, All-Star game, Giannis Antetokounmpo was the All-Star MVP. 
Team LeBron won. I don't believe they lost a quarter. I could be mistaken because, uh, honestly, I stopped watching after the third quarter when they won three straight. So at that point, it was just pointless, it seemed. And Stephen Curry and Damon Litter was pulling up from literally half court. I believe both of them made two of them, which was absolutely crazy. I mean, they're pulling up from 43, 45 feet and, and draining it like it's a mid-range. And... Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't miss a shot the entire game. 16 for 16, finished with 36 points. Chris Paul looked pretty good out there. LeBron looked like he was just there to be there. Honestly, he took, I, I seen him take like five or six shots and after that, that was it. Zion just looked happy to be there. He had a bad game in terms of shooting, which you usually don't see from him because he's such an efficient player. But you know, you could just tell these guys wasn't they weren't there for basketball at all. They was just there to have a good time, get it over with, you know, catch up with one another, whatever the case may be. And that was that'll be it. And in all honesty, this weekend showed that the NBA is just honestly another money hungry driven league. I mean, it's just that simple. The fact that we even had an all-star break, an all-star weekend shows this is just another t- business. I mean, they had two key players who have to now sit out via protocol because of COVID. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Those are two key players for the 76ers. Now they now when the second half of the season starts, they may not have these two guys. I mean, it's, it's no reports yet coming up saying that they will miss games because the the next game, I believe the next game not until the second, and I don't think they play, but I mean, not the second, excuse me, the 10th, and I don't think they play. So, it, who knows? But still, nonetheless, man, it all could have been avoided if you simply not have the All-Star game. Simple. You're causing teams games with these decisions. The Sixers were already greatly affected by it by the beginning of this year. Now they even feel it even more. Because now they're missing their top two players. Lee has to be better, man. Period, point blank. That's all, it, that's all it comes down to. They have to be better. I don't care what anyone says. Has to be better. Now, I want to get off into the NFL news and... For these next couple episodes, I'm going to do a little bit of breakdowns for each team who I think they should target in the draft, who I think they should target free agency. And I'm going to start off with the Miami Dolphins this episode. But before I start off with that, I just want to speak a little bit, a little bit on this QB carousel that may be coming up for us. Russell Wilson, ladies and gentlemen, I know last episode I said I don't think Russell Wilson is done in Seattle. But from everything that I've been watching and seeing on YouTube and reading about, I think he's done. And now, let's take everything in consideration. It's a $30 million dead cap hit for the Seahawks. They're losing their franchise quarterback. They're losing a guy who has a great, great chemistry with the receivers already. And not only that, they're losing a guy in Russell Wilson who's a top four quarterback in this league at the age of 32. Have we have we not seen Brady or Rodgers lately? These guys are making 40 late early, late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s look like they're the new 
middle age, 30 year olds. Like, <laughs> these guys don't like their aging at all. So if Russell Wilson, and being the fact that he put so much dedication and money and investment into his body, Russell Wilson easily can play another 10 years. Easily. So to move on from that is going to be extremely, extremely difficult for the Seahawks to even withstand because you just don't replace a guy like that with another guy hoping he could come in and be as productive, even if they were to trade him to the Raiders and get Derek Carr, who I think is a very good quarterback. He's not Russell Wilson. He's just not. He's not the playmaker he is. He he has a bit of a strong arm like Russ does, but he, he doesn't throw it as nearly as the amount of touch that Russell Wilson throws with. He isn't as nearly as poised in a pocket as Russell Wilson is. And he isn't as nearly the playmaker he is. And that's all due respect to Derek Carr. Again, he's a very good, capable quarterback in this league. But he's not Russell Wilson. I don't get, listen, it's like what I've told people about the Deshaun Watson thing. Regardless of what you trade for Deshaun Watson, you win the trade. I don't care what you give up for him. Just like what I said with the Dolphins. If you got to trade Xavier Howard or offer him in a package with another team, do it. Do it. If you got to give up Tua, who you just picked in the first, um, your first pick in this last year's draft, do it. You got to give up all three of them, do it. You got to give up two of your, some of your best young playmakers on the division, do it. Why? Because you're getting a 25-year-old top three quarterback in his peak who is just entering his prime you you do you not um I'm, I'm, it's so mind-boggling to me that i can't even speak english i'm sorry you just cannot let this opportunity bypass you go get this guy at any means necessary period that's it there is no argument. You saw, once you get them, then you solve whatever other problems you need to solve. But first and foremost, you go get this guy. You go get him. I don't care how many picks you have to give up. I don't care what play you have to give up. You go get this guy. You go get him. It's, it's that simple, period. Just like Russell Wilson, go get him. If you feel as if your team is literally that, guy away from being at the very least a possible contender why not get him doesn't make sense to me but with all that being said let's start off into the players i believe my miami dolphins should target and i'm gonna start off with the free agency since that does come before the draft and keep in mind guys i'm only doing three per draft and three per free agents. Because I'm only doing top three. I'm not naming 20, 10 names. I'm not even going to name five because every team brings in at least two, maybe three players. That's why I'm sticking to two or three. And mine, I'm making it realistic. So I'm taking in consideration how I think much, how much I think a player will cost and who that can affect them bringing in and things of that nature. All right, so boom. Free agent, first free agent I think that the Dolphins will bring in, I believe it's, I believe it's going to be Aaron Jones. 
Now, I know this may take a lot of people by surprise. Oh, you're paying running backs, you're going to be paying a running back big money. You could draft Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. These guys have been linked to the Dolphins. This and the th- Listen, Dolphins have two very capable and serviceable young running backs already. And Savan Ahmed and Miles Gaskins. Savan Ahmed, I believe he's this he was a rookie this season. This, and Miles Gaskins has been in the league one year. You don't need to add another young guy to an already young running back group. You don't. It, it's not gonna do them any good. Cause who's going to be teaching? I mean, I understand the coach's job is the coach, but you still need that veteran presence. And you bring in a guy like Aaron Jones, who is a Swiss Army knife type of dude, just like how Miles Gaskins is, he can show him how to beat certain beat certain coverages or how to read certain coverages, how to beat a guy who's who playing flat-footed or playing on his toes or how to run a certain route a certain way to make it look this way, but you're really going to break it out then versus in. Like, it's those little things that is the reason why I feel as if they should bring in that veteran presence at running back. Because not only is he a proven playmaker in his league, and granted, many people believe he's a byproduct of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay system, which I don't believe is the case. Because Aaron Jones, y'all have to remember, the Packers were a pass-first team forever, especially since Rodgers was their best player by far and still is. He, the, the talent of Aaron Jones and his ability to make plays on even off the unscripted at times is the reason why they started to adjust a little bit to a more balanced team because of Aaron Jones. It wasn't because of, <clears throat> excuse me, it wasn't because of LaFleur. It wasn't because of the scheme he brought in. It was because he knew he had a talent at running back that the Packers didn't have in a very long time. So they utilized it. Maybe you, yes, maybe you do have to give 56, 60 million to Aaron Jones. Or, or he's been linked to Miami as well. Maybe he takes a little pay cut. Who knows? But I would absolutely be on board for the Dolphins to bring in Aaron Jones. Next possible free agent I think that the Dolphins will go after, I'm going to say T.Y. Hilton. Now, again, cheap option, veteran presence, reliable can play outside, inside. He's he's not the burner he once was. He's not the touchdown monster or the all-pro or Pro Bowl caliber he once was, but he's a guy that's going to come in. He knows how to read coverages. He could teach the young guys up a little bit. And even if you if you don't trade, even if you trade for Deshaun Watson, there's been plenty of second, third day picks at receivers specifically who have been monsters. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, <clears throat> excuse me, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, you know, guys like that, or even, you could look back at plenty of other names. I mean, if you, all right, let's take something in perspective because this is bothering me right now. D.K. Metcalf, Devontae Parker. Better receiver? D.K. Who the first-round pick? Devontae. A.J. Brown, better. Who's the first-round pick? Still Devontae Parker. I mean, it's those things like that that makes it, that shows you that you don't need to take a receiver first round to be that dude. Antonio Brown was the best receiver in the league 
for a, a six, seven year stretch. He wasn't picked until I think the fourth, fifth round. Tyreek Hill, one of the best playmakers in the league. You think he was the first round pick? No. I mean, these dudes, they are proven players in our league who are t top tier talents who weren't day one picks. I mean, that's just what it is. Like, you look around the league at any skip, you look at Derrick Henry, the guys like Nick Chubb. Like, these, these are guys who weren't day one picks and they still excel. Devontae Adams is the same. So it's not that you can't find the talent and put it around. You can. You just have to have a good eye for talent. So I say bring in T.Y. Hilton, and I'm going to get into more of the draft. And the last free agent who I think they should bring in, I think they really need to look at Corey Lindsley, man, the center from the Packers. Now, I could be excuse me if I'm butchering his name. It's Corey Leslie, I believe. Now, this is an all-pro guy. This is a, a guy who could come in, be a plug-and-play, and run the line from day one. He's that good, and not to mention, your line is young. The same reason I use for Aaron Jones and I'm used for T.Y. Hilton, you have, you have the second youngest team in the league. They're talented. You just won 10 games. You need that talent to be guided by players on the field, not just coaching. So why not bring in effective players who can not only guide these guys, but also still help you win games in the process? These three guys will do that. To me, these three guys will do that. Now, if you, if you think T.Y. Hilton isn't a dude who can come in and be effective even on a one-year deal, fine. But these two other guys, to me, they are great signings. If we were to go out and get these guys, the Dolphins were to go out and get these guys. I don't know. I said we. I'm speaking from a fan perspective. But it will be a great signing to all three of them. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to signing any of those guys. Maybe we can sneak in the guy like Malik Hooker or you go to Rattles getting Juju Smith and then you go Najee Harris or Something like that along those lines. Maybe. But me, if it was me, the three players I just said, those are the three players I'll target. Now let's get over into the NFL draft. Now this now I'm going off of the assumption that the Dolphins don't trade for Deshaun Watson, so I'm gonna keep all three picks. I'm not doing any trade scenarios or things like that, because that's just gonna be over complex for no reason. There's just literally no telling what's going to happen. Even though I think the Dolphins will trade down if they don't ultimately trade the third pick, I'm just not going to do that. Now, the third pick, since we playing devil's advocate, I'm going Penesua, the tackle out of Oregon, the generational talent. I think you, you implement him at the left tackle position. You put Austin Jackson back at the right tackle where he... Had, had some experience at in college, kick in Robert Hunt. You move Solomon Kinley to the left guard position. You got a new trade asset in Eric Flowers. And then, like I said, you go out and get Leslie. Boom. Your offensive line is now suddenly a top 12, top 10 unit. All of a sudden, just like that. To me, it's no-brainer. 
It's a no-brainer. They should target Penny Sewell. If they still have the third pick, he should be the pick. Now another guy they should target in the draft. Since I went the Aaron Jones route, I think they need to target Jalen Waddle. I think I think he could still be there in the mid-rounds. You may have to trade up a little bit to get him, but I, I think you go get him. I, you, you won't be able to get Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, but Jalen Waddle is it is the most explosive dynamic receiver in this draft to me. I think he's that. I think he has that Tyreek Hill type of gear where he gets he could catch a ball and take it from zero to 100 like that in a snap. You know, a lot of guys seen that in Henry Ruggs. I never really seen in Henry Ruggs. I just thought he was always a burner. But Jalen Waddle is a guy who you can literally see catch a receiver screen and take it 60, 70 yards to the house. I think he's that dynamic. It's, to me, it's the difference between being explosive and fast. It's the difference between being the playmaker and just being athletic. It's a difference. It's a huge difference. Your IQ, your feel for the game is different. And Jalen Waddle has a different feel for the game. I see it when I watch him on film. I see it when I watch them throughout Alabama. It's different. So if I'm the Dolphins, I go get them. Regardless of I got to trade up two, three spots, you go, you go get them. That's, that's the guy you want. And if you were to keep Tua, he got chemistry with him already. So you ain't got to worry about that being a problem. And the next guy who I think they should target this year in the draft. And, and a lot of people... A lot of people may feel a certain way about this, but I'm gonna go with the edge out of Miami Russo. Um, I'm I'm 100% sure that's how I pronounce his last name, but just for hold on, let me let me see this real quick. I want to make sure Gregory Russero. It's something like that, man. I can't. I don't want to keep butchering the man name, forgive me, but this team needs a pass rusher, man. They do. Need a pass rusher. And this guy, he, he sat out this last season because, you know, everything else going on. But this is a absolute playmaker, man. This guy, 2019, he recorded 15 and a half sacks. And he won the all-conference honors and was named the ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year. This guy is legit. 6'7", almost 270, and he's only 20 years old. He only get better. He has so unmet, such untapped potential, man. This has to be a late round or early second target for the Dolphins. It has to be. He has to. You have to have. You have to go get this dude. You need a pass rusher. I understand the system that that is called that they typically don't invest in pass rushers because of the fact that they they build the the defense from the back end up. They play from the secondary up. No. The Bills game showed you that that's not going to work. It's not going to help you win your division. It's not going to help you win a lot of games consistently. It's not. Go get a pass rusher. Gregory Russo, he can be that. You don't need you don't need two. You just need one because you have a good complimentary pass rushers in Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba. The thing about those two guys though, they're complimentary. They're not dominant. They're not the guys. 
you go get the guy, they'll be much better. And that's I think I think Gregory Russo can be that guy. So again, that's just a little breakdown for me who I think the Dolphins should go out and get. Like I said, I think they should go out and get Aaron Jones, T.Y. Hilton, and I think they should go out and get Corey Leslie in the draft. I think they should go out and get, <clears throat> excuse me, Penny Suel, Jalen Waddle, and Gregory Russo. I, th- I think those has to be their six targets, man. I think they have to be honest with themselves and say, listen, where can we get better? What can we add dynamic playmakers? Because out outside of Xavier Howard and Mike Gazeki on a good day, you, you have no consistent dominant players or playmakers. You don't. Go get them. And every guy I just named, outside of Kurt Leslie, of course, who's a lineman, he can't really be a playmaker. But outside of them guys, outside of him, excuse me, who wasn't a playmaker? Maybe T.R. Hilton because of his age? But he's still to come in and be at the worst, your second best receiver. That's at the worst. And that's me keeping in mind you drafted Jalen Waddle. So you have to make you have to go get at least two of these guys. To me, two, at least. If you want to truly show the difference in culture, you gotta go get at least two of these guys I just named. But that's it for the news and the episode, guys. So I'm going to get into the fan Q&A. You know, I know I didn't do this last episode, but we're back at it. Now, this first question comes from Clark Wayne. He says, can the Tampa Bay Bucks keep all of their pieces together? To me, no. I think it's just that simple. I think Levante David and Chris Godwin are both, either one of them are gone. Well, they may keep or retain one, but I think both of them will be gone. I don't see I don't see why they'll take pay cuts to stay on that team. Antonio Brown is definitely gone. I don't think he's going to sign another one year deal with the Bucks to be a third, fourth target option. No. So I they could they could keep most of the pieces together, but not all of them. Okay, so. Next question comes from William McClung. Do the Steelers resign Bud with him coming off of injury? To be honest, that's that's kind of hard to say, man, because the defense still played pretty pretty well with even with his injury. I don't I don't think they resign him. I think they let him walk. I really do. Where does Juju go in free agency? Again, this question comes from William McClellan. I think Juju Smith either goes to the Dolphins or he goes to... I don't I don't think the Steelers are going to resign him. I really don't. Because they got good young receivers. They got Johnson. They got Claypool. I don't think they're going to resign him. So I can either see the Dolphins or I can see... I can see the Eagles. They need playmakers, so I can definitely see the Eagles. Maybe even the Bears, considering the fact Ellen Robinson is about to walk, because he's he's not coming back either. Next question from William McClung again. Oh, speaking of Allen Robinson, is Allen Robinson underrated, and where does he sign? Okay, to me, yes, Allen Robinson is underrated, because I actually seen a statistic the other day where – I'm not sure who, was, who the other, I think it was two other receivers. 
It was either two other or three receivers, but it was, I believe, three or four straight seasons with a thousand, with a thousand yards straight, or plus, and I think less than a drop or two drops in the season, and he was on the list. I wish I had the exact stat, man, but I, I just don't. But nonetheless, man, this this is a dynamic playmaker, man. And he's never, never had consistent quarterback play, ever. Even back in college when he was playing with Hackenberg, never had consistent quarterback play. He, I mean, he's gone from Blake Bortles to, <laughs> oh, my goodness, Mitchell Trubisky, guys. Blake Bortles to Mitchell Trubisky. That's been this man quarterbacks, and he's still been putting up pro, uh, pro caliber numbers. He goes somewhere with, at the very least, a decent quarterback. He's going to be legit. So I, I can honestly see him. I can see him going back to the Jaguars, honestly. I can see that. Him and DJ Chark, I, I can honestly see him going back there. Especially being the fact that they take taking Trevor Lawrence. I can see him going back there. I can even see him taking a gamble and taking a little less money to go play for the Packers. Because I think at this point in his career, I know he wants to get paid, but I think he wants to win too. He's never, he's never been on a team that actually had a winning culture. I think the Packers, if they, if they snuck up and got him to go along with a dude like Devontae Adams, oh my goodness. Was J.J. Watt signing with the Cardinals a good decision? Also from William McClung? No. No. I don't think it was a good decision at all because, in all honesty, he said he wanted to play for a contender. He wanted a chance to win the championship. The Cardinals are still a few steps away. I'm not sold on Clisberry, King Clisberry no more. I thought he was a good coach. He's showing me he's still iffy. He has his games, he has his moments, but then he has other moments. You're like, man, I don't know about this guy. Kyler Murray is still growing. And in all honesty, man, that team not getting younger. A lot of their main contributors and players are getting older. And I'm looking directly at a guy like Patrick Peterson. You know, once the top DB in this league, he's looking like a former shell of himself. So they got they, they need to get it going now if they're going to be the contender he wanted to go to. Who should the Dolphins go after in free agency other than Allen Robinson? Well, we went over it, my boy. We, I said Aaron Jones. I said T.Y. Hilton. And I said Corey Leslie. Those are three big names they need to go after to me. Allen Robinson would be nice, but to me, you have that already in Devontae Parker. But to me, they're basically the same receiver. I think Allen Robinson is a bit more pure in his skill set and quicker out of his routes, but the, in terms of the pure skill set, they're, they're basically the same guy. I don't think you want the same two guys on, on the outside. Next question comes from Noah Rogner. Can Frank Wright rejuvenate Carson Wentz? I think he can. People have to remember, Carson Wentz's best season came along Frank Wright, Frank Rich. So you have to understand that He's been put in the system with a great offensive line, a coach he's already proven to be extremely successful with. 
and young, talented playmakers with a very good defense. I mean, it's, it's it would be hard for him to fail in that situation. Now, if he were to fail, that's I don't know what to tell you because at that point, there's no more excuses. Should the Steelers have went in another direction at quarterback? Maybe they could have. Maybe, maybe. I mean, they did go out and get Dwayne Haskins. Maybe they're going to try to see if they could kick the wheels on that a few times to see if anything is going to come out of it. But we'll, I don't know. I, I just don't know who they would have drafted, man, because I, I think all the top quarterbacks are going to be gone. I mean, maybe they could have probably made a move to get Trey Lance, but that's about it. And I'm to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not fully sold on him. I'm not. He's athletically gifted, but I, the film I've seen, I haven't seen too much of NFL caliber throws and plays. What would you pay Dak? I'd give Dak the 35 to 40 million. Now I know a lot of guys are hesitant because Dak isn't the most talented or explosive athlete. Bottom line is, man, for, for the Cowboys, he's worth that. You look at the Cowboys and what they were once he got injured, they were terrible. Even with a legitimate backup in Andy Dalton. They were horrible. Andy Dalton is a is a whole playoff quarterback. I mean, he's been to the Pro Bowls. And they look absolutely horrible with Andy Dalton. So to me, you gotta pay Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. He yes, he is worth that $35, 40000000 million a year. You have to give that to him if you're the Cowboys. What would you pay Lamar? Same thing. He's he's worth everything for that Ravens team. He's literally transformed that system. All he needs now is a number one receiver. That's all he needs. It will help his game develop. And to be quite frank with you, to be honest with you guys, the best receiver he needs is a guy like Kenny Galladay, a willing blocker, a guy who can win the contested jumping balls, who can go up and get the ones that may not be the best throw, but he's going to get it because he's just that good. I know he's had an injury history, but he fits their scheme the best. You could say Isla Robinson as well, but I don't think Isla Robinson wants to go there. I mean, it's a possibility, but I don't think I don't think they're going to roll out the big the, the big bucks for Allen Robinson. Kenny Galladay is going to be a cheaper and younger option. Does Miami roll with Tua this year? <sighs> now I know how it's looking. <sighs> it's hard to say, man. Because honestly, I, I think they're leaning towards making every move they can make to get Deshaun. Because the release of Kyle Van Noy honestly showed me that they are clearing up cat space to make a move. And it's not going to be just to get another linebacker or edge rusher to replace him. It's not. They didn't clear up $9 million just to sign another guy to replace him. That's not what they did. They're trying to make a move. And it, it may be that. Man, it's the all-star break. Who's all your star game pick, three-point slam dunk? Who's your March Madness favorite sleeper? Well, I'm not going to speak on the March Madness thing because I'm trying to st- – Stick strictly to NFL and NBA for this episode since that said since that is what I said I was gonna do. I'm gonna start dabbling, dipping and dabbling in other sports soon, you know, guys. So please just bear with me. Now the All-Star break is over now, so it's hard for me to answer this question. But I'm gonna be truthfully honest with you. I'm gonna tell you who I picked, who I thought was gonna win. 
The three-point contest, I did pick Zach Levine to win. I was wrong about that. Slam dunk contest, I actually picked Anthony Simons to win. So I was right about that. And all-star game pick, I did pick Team LeBron to win, and I was right about that. So two out of three, I'll take it. And that will be it for the today's questions, guys. You know, thank you all for tuning in once again. Be sure to like, subscribe to the channel. Be sure to follow me on all my platforms. I am on YouTube, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you name, I'm on, man. <laughs> I'll see y'all in the next one, though, man.